Welcome to the Dogs Are the Best Friends podcast. I'm Emily, and my best buddy, Flynn, is here too. Hey, my crazy for the canines friends. How are you today? I hope you are doing well, and I also hope that you're ready for some dog stories, because here we go. Today's stories come from Kent of Goose Masters. Kent has worked with his dogs since the age of two. I am not exaggerating. His father put him to work at age two, and you will hear about that. Most of the stories are about Border Collies, but he has had many other breeds in his life as well. At the end of the episode, I will share about the three most downloaded shows so far. So if you're wondering what those are, stay till the end. By the way, I wasn't just trying to train you to stay. (laughs) It just kind of came out that way, didn't it? Here's the trivia question for today. Which Queen of England was a huge dog lover and eventually became a massive fan of the Border Collie? I'll have the answer later. Ken, if you could just share with us about some of, I know you have a bunch of dogs, but if you could share some dogs and uh, maybe one from the past, if you want, and one that you have currently that you just love working with. Well, I'll start with the first dog that I, that I acquired and my dad gave her to me. And um, I had worked with a lot of puppies leading up to her, but she was my actual first dog that was mine to keep. And um, so I was 12 years old and um, her name was Pepper. And she was, you know, she grew up with me as a, from a six week old puppy on. And so she stayed in my bedroom right next to me all the time. And I, I, we moved around a lot. So she was actually my best friend because, you know, literally because we moved around so much, she was the only one that kept with me. So anyway, um, I started training her and my dad was a salesman. So he'd come home on weekends and, and he would tell me what to do next and what, so I would work on just that thing all week. And he'd come home the next weekend and be like, okay, well, you didn't do this right. You need to f- keep working on this. Cause it's, you didn't finish it. So then it would motivate me to get this exactly right before he'd come home. And so we went through the whole training process and she was so well-trained and, and, I was 12, 13 years old. I started competing in sheepdog trials at that age, you know, and I, and I won, um, a couple of novice awards with her. And, um, I mean, none of the other young kids could touch me with her because, you know, my stock background that I acquired at that time, my, the next place we lived, uh, after Ohio was on a, um, on a farm that, uh, they had 40,000, grazing acres they had 2,000 head of sheep and they had uh what they have like over a thousand head of cows and they grazed 40,000 acres and plus they had grazing rights on another 20,000 acres from the government and so I would uh use this dog and work these huge flocks and help get them into lamb and work them through the shoots and so I gained so much experience and stock knowledge and and why the dog's did what they did, how they reacted to the stock. I would ride on pickup, back of a pickup, and we'd gather a thousand at a time, and we'd go down these mountain roads, and it was in the in the mountains of the Clinch Mountains in southwestern uh, Virginia, where Tennessee and and uh, Virginia meet down in there. West Virginia it was right down in there, and so. I would ride the back of the truck and the dog would just gather these huge flocks and bring them. And I could just watch her, the instinct of the dog work them on their own. And it was so, it was just an an unbelievable, you know, at the time it was work and I enjoyed it. 
but I didn't realize how much it was going to influence the way that I developed my training methods and how oh. much it would benefit me later competing in sheepdog trials as an adult. Yeah, that's so, amazing. So you started young with Border Collies. Like, and very why, young. How did your dad know that that was a great breed for you? Like, was he already into Border Collies himself or like what was his background a little bit? Right. Well, he, he was a shepherd and okay. he started, he got his first Border Collie in the late 50s. Oh, and wow. so he started training them then. And so I was born in 60. Okay. And so as I grew up, uh, was on a farm, was on an estate in the uh, suburbs of Philadelphia. Oh, so, and it was a 500 acre estate and they had wow. purebred Chevy at sheep. And my dad was the shepherd there. So my job, so I was two when we moved there and we moved away from there when I was, uh, gosh, it was 10 years later. So I was like 11 or so when we moved from there. And um, so my job there was to socialize the puppies. So I grew up and so I, I would ride these litters of puppies around in a little red wagon. And that was my, that was my job pulling them around in a wagon. My son did the same thing. And my daughter did the same thing oh when my they, gosh. as they grew up, you know, later, yeah. but uh, yeah, I love the puppy. I always liked the dogs. It was that puppy breath. I think that. Yeah. Right. The addictive, <laughs> the best thing, right. In life so was the puppy breath. And puppies right. are so fluffy. <laughs> yeah. So fluffy. And the, the, the thing about that, the breed is, they listen to you and they want to listen to you. So it's not like you make them listen to you, but you bond with them. And that breed has such a devoted uh, way to be that they just, they're just so fun to work with. And uh, yeah. yeah. So anyone that hasn't experienced the border collie, uh, I highly recommend it. If you have an environment that you can give them enough to do to keep yeah. them busy, because they are busy. Yes. That's very so busy. true. And it's not just physical. It's the, like you said, the mental, they need the interaction with us. They love, they crave that. They love that. They, they absolutely do. So, yes. and you know that really well being in the shepherding, I mean, literally what they, why they were bred and developed the way they've been developed. So that's fascinating. So interesting, your background. And so of course you got into what you're into and, and we'll get to that in a few minutes as well, but tell us about one of your current or one or two of your current ones that you work with a lot. Well, right now I'm working with a, a couple. Um, Abby is one of them. And um, I do a lot of goose control with her and also work on the farm. So she is she is quite the character. I uh. mean, she's, she's not only really good to work, very biddable. So she listens really well, even in, in, in quick moving with the stock. And, and at any moment, I can just say, lie down very calmly or use the lie down whistle and right. she'll just hit the dirt in whatever chaos that might've been happening or, you know, or wow. something she really wants to do. Like she thinks one is getting away, but I don't want that one. I want the other ones, uh -huh. you know, she'll immediately listen to me, drop that one and go immediately to wow. the task that we're doing. So she's great. And then yeah. we also have a very special pup, um, and she was born with a birth defect, and it's the first one I've ever had of the hundreds of puppies that we've had in our life, in my dad's life, or anyone else that I know in the Border Collies. She was yeah. born with a cleft palate. Oh, wow. Which is, it, which is uh, very unusual. She yeah. had one little hole in the roof of her mouth, 
and her nose was separated and and um but anyway we we had a a vet a vet friend of ours um who was very talented and he knows a lot of other vets he has like a system of veterinary clinics and um so he got together with another one of his surgeons and he fixed it for us wow and the before and the after pictures of her at six, eight weeks old is just unbelievable. And but she was also very special mentally, I think. And and she um, never had any trouble competing with the other puppies. She was fine that way. Um, yeah. And so we kind of, you know, we had to treat her a little different with her with her healing process and her re- rehab. So she lived on the couch basically for quite a, <laughs> for quite a while. And so she yeah. developed this personality. And um, so she's now nine months old okay. and we're working her in the, so she's getting her first stock dog training now. And she's very, very talented. Oh, really? Oh, and wow. So she's, she's very special. She lives here in the house and a yeah. lot of our very special ones did, but not all of them. Right. Um, but it does you know, the closer you bond with them and, and have that one-on-one time, you know, the better because yeah. they, they even want to please you more when they're working stock. So true. And so Very as true. you know, I look, really look forward to, to seeing her through and everything. She's so special, but she kind of took the place of another special dog that we had in the house. And her name was Mia, but oh. she was a Maltese. Oh, okay. so that doesn't have, yeah. you know, yeah, doesn't have anything to do with, uh, <laughs> But the special thing about both of them, that's why I brought her up, was if if I go outside, I forget something in the car and I go out for 60 seconds or 90 seconds or whatever, two minutes, I come in the house, it's like they haven't seen me in 10 years. (laughs) And so the both of them share that. So she's kind of replaced that void since Mia passed away. Uh, And what's that pup's name, too? The one that had the special issue? Jules. Jules. Okay. All right. I was just curious. So you're on a farm. So not only are you doing the goose masters thing and taking care of geese for people that need to, they need to go somewhere else, but um, what, what, what's your farm? Like, I love farms. So I want to hear about that, but what kind of animals and what, what kind of setup do you have? Yeah, we, we have uh, sheep, goats, ducks, and geese. Okay. So, and geese, ironically. (laughs) Yeah. So the reason, the reason for the goats is they're a little calmer. Believe it or not, they're they're very forgiving animals. Oh, okay. So let's say I have a young dog and he runs a little close to them. And I see I like to use goats in the beginning of the training because of that reason. And so as soon as yeah, so as soon as that dog starts working properly and not so close, yeah. they forgive them and they calm down. So the dog yeah. gets that reward for proper work. And that's why we have the goats. So then we progress them to sheep. So, and the sheep run a little faster, so they get a little bit more experience and they, they broaden. And so then we have the ducks that we introduce them to. Um, and the, cause they're a lot like geese. Okay. Okay. But they're yeah. a little better to work for geese because they move a little slower than geese. Oh, true. So they can learn how to work the waterfowl and in the water also. And right. so then we have domestic geese, um, and they don't tend to like water as much as the ducks do. So they're not as good as the water for the water training to progress them to the goose master's work. So then we have the geese and they mimic the Canada geese. Okay. So 
you know, they get more on them. So when we take them out in the real Canada geese work, you know, they're quickly to get on the, on the geese. Cause before we did that, we had trouble getting them on the Canada birds sometimes. Oh, that's interesting. So, wow. So yeah. there's a lot of steps involved in getting a dog ready to do this job. Yeah. Because when, when you take the dog out in the public to do this work, you want them to be spot on. Yeah. and get it done quickly and efficiently so we can get through our day and all of our customers mm-hmm. can get our service. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had no idea that there are that many levels of training. I mean, I knew it'd be a bunch, but I had no idea that it was that many animals that they go through, you know, to learn on. And you're in North Carolina. Is Did I get that right? That's correct. We're in okay. Franklinville. Yep. Franklinville, North Carolina, which is central. Okay. I was trying to picture where that was. Yeah. Tell us some funny, I mean, there's got to be some funny things. Geese, geese are, you know, they can be really um, snotty. It's really the word that comes to mind. They can be really kind of mean. Sometimes, like if, if you get to a property and the geese aren't used to being worked, like it's like their first time that they've had a border collie on them. And, you know, they mimic the, uh, the predator so well because of the way the border collie works, they stalk. And yeah. so they're very predator-like. And so you said we send the dog out just like we would at home on sheep or cows or whatever, or ducks, geese, and they're trying to gather them to us. That's the wonderful thing about the border collars. They want to bring those to us. And so they go around and they and they get on the birds and they swim and swim and herd. And um, and the important thing is they're herding, they're not chasing. And that's what keeps the birds gone longest. But anyway. Mm-hmm. They, they put these birds up that aren't being used to working and they, they sort of leave and they do a flyover and they, you can see them up there looking down and they're like, well, <laughs> what was that? What kind of predator was that? And right. so I'm standing next to my truck a couple times, right? And I'm getting ready to put the dog back in soon. And um, they do this flyover and they, and they bomb my truck and my hat. No. So they do that pretty often. So, yeah, well, I've accused them of doing it on purpose, but how can a head that small have that much brains to, to orchestrate such a mean thing? Tell us about what you can do for people with getting, getting geese to not be in areas where they shouldn't be. I touched a little bit on it already is the, is the border collies herding instinct. Right. And so they stalk, they don't chase, they don't bark. And so you send them out for the geese and the geese leave because they believe that there's a predator there and they're going to be caught and it's, it lasts longer. So if we go at different times of day, the geese start to believe the predators are just hanging out waiting for us. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to, I'm going to start eating somewhere else and I'm not going to cause all this erosion on these properties. Um, because they, they literally, when someone tries to, to uh, grow grass in a certain area, like a new seeding, the geese literally wait till it's about an inch long, and then they see it from the sky. And Because their vision is like eight times better than a human's. Really? And so they see it, and they, they can spot strawed grass, and they go, well, it's not quite ready yet. We won't go now. And then they come in when it's ready, and they just ruin it. They come in, and they pluck all the grass that they have to reseed. And we, we did a property where there was about a 60 acre field above a corporate property. 
and they had these had constructed these walking trails with uh, exercise equipment around them and oh, wow. uh, it was like an exercise path you've probably seen them yeah and um they literally could not get grass to grow on the hill and they would have about 300 geese would land and literally graze the whole hillside they would graze the maintenance guy told me he could see right where they quit one day and then they come back the next day and they'd finish oh or they'd gosh. spend the night in the pond where they had three beautiful ponds. And, oh, no. and so they, I mean, for years, a couple of wow. years, they tried growing grass. And so, you know, we kept that from happening and now they have a beautiful field with, with grass and now they have to mow it. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, they have to mow it. I love it. Right. But I never thought about that use. I mean, I was just thinking of, of the danger that they can provide if there's children and, you know, the nesting season, like you said, and everything. And also the aggressive geese behavior, like someone's walking into their office and all of a sudden they're, they're startled and they fall down and they, you know, they have to block off, they block off areas where the geese are too aggressive. As our goal, like our company goal has always been to try to uh, move the birds to get them to relocate, you know, year after year, we, we have relocated a lot of birds. So how do you move them? Like, how do you encourage them to go somewhere else? Well, by repeatedly getting them to fly off, they will go and eat somewhere else and they will lay their nest somewhere else. So that's right. the key. So right. if you're if you're enough of a problem there, they'll change their habits to living there instead because that's where they're raising their families. And yeah, you know, little by little, you know, you get them to change that habit. And by changing their nesting habit, you change where they hang out. Their instinct is to nest and their babies will nest where they were born. So by changing that little by little, you're, you're changing them. It doesn't, you know, happen overnight, but by persistent, uh, you know, persistence. And that's what the dogs teach us is to be persistent. And, um, you know, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. So we help these properties become beautiful and enjoyable, completely environmentally safe and humane, I might add, too. Right. And one thing, something else I'd like to add, PETA and um, they endorse the use of border collies and um, the Humane Society as well. Yeah. So, you know, that says a lot for what we do. That's huge. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed Kent's stories. And I just love that he is such a huge dog lover. And he has so many more insights and stories, and I will share them with you another time. I just couldn't squeeze them all in this time. So stay tuned. I will bring those out on another episode. So how did you do with the detective sleuthing work from last week's episode? The third most downloaded episode is number 35, How Positivity Has Made All the Difference to Former Scaredy Dog Bentley. Ben and his mom, Amber, they are my neighbors and Flynn's neighbors. And I'm so glad that she finally agreed to share their stories because they are very special ones. The second most downloaded episode is number seven, titled Sheep Herding with Brilliant Border Collies. Billy shared some great insights and information about the breed and the sport. If you don't know anything about sheep herding, he has some great descriptions on that. By the way, Billy is the former owner of Flynn. That's where I got my boy from. The most downloaded episode so far out of this whole shebang 
is number 16, Diana Bertoldo's Dogs of Love and Resistance. Diana is an incredibly genuine and warm dog lover with a wonderful personality. So Diana, you rock, and I'm not surprised that it's one of the most downloaded ones. I hope you'll check those episodes out. And by the way, we have an episode that is quickly climbing, and it might take over. So I'll let you know if that happens. Today's trivia answer is Queen Victoria. She got into the breed in the 1860s, the early 1860s, when they were just starting to be recognized as a separate breed from other collies. Now, I know in England they are called sheepdogs, and I believe in Australia as well. So my apologies for not mentioning that before. So border collie, sheepdog, whatever you call them, Queen Victoria was a huge fan. Flynn would like to encourage you to have either some ball or frisbee time if your dog's into that. He just had to mention that. So there you go. Talk to you next week. <laughs>